Hey, welcome to 5050 Films, a casual movie review podcast. We're Peter Nottam, a husband and wife on a quest to watch 100 movies together each year, a challenge we successfully completed for the first time in 2021. In 2022, we are launching this podcast to record our thoughts on every movie we watch during the year. Each weekly episode will feature two films, whatever I picked for us to watch the past Wednesday and whatever Peter chose for us to watch the past Saturday. We will rate these movies on a scale of outstanding to boring, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and everything in between. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Alright, so yeah, this week we took a break from watching only Oscars movies, and uh, we watched a couple. One of them is Oscar nominated, that's the first one we're going to talk about, and that is Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes, so this one is not nominated for Best Picture, but it is nominated for Best Actor and a few other things, and it's been on our list for a while. I know I've mentioned it in at least, like, two podcasts. This movie has taken over my entire life. It has taken over our household. Um, We sing the songs all the time. Peter's probably really frustrated with how in in his head they are, because I think he sings them more than I do, even. Um, but this movie is a movie version of a rock monologue by Jonathan Larson called Tick, Tick, Boom. And it is about his journey trying to create a Broadway musical. He's trying to get his musical Superbia, which is a musical version of George Orwell's 1984 He's trying to get that on the stage. He wants to do it before he turns 30. He feels like if he doesn't do it before he turns 30, he's a failure. And so this is the story of him trying and failing eventually to get this musical out onto Broadway. What does happen later in Jonathan Larson's life, which is not actually a part of this movie, is that he... Um, he is the creator of Rent. So he does Superbia and he does Tick, Tick, Boom. And then he goes back to a previous work, which then becomes this huge success, Rent. Unfortunately, Jonathan Larson passes away before he gets to see that come to fruition. But this is all about the start of his journey. Uh, It stars Andrew Garfield, who's up for Best Actor for his performance in this, which I feel is very justified he did an excellent job and we both really really enjoyed it it was an outstanding for me and a memorable for peter and there are just so many things we loved about it i think one of the things that you connected with was kind of just the setting and the time period i don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit i mean it's i mean they come out with the first musical number being thirty ninety, which is He's turning 30, and the year is 1990. And, uh, I don't know, I, just, I thought it was really cool. Um, it seemed like it was very, they had a lot of, like, you know, a lot of the set dressing and stuff was, like, very, like, 90s-ish. Um, he's, like, an old, like, I think it's, like, an Apple iMac. I don't remember which exact, I looked at the model of the computer, because I was like, which one is this? Because Apple came up with a bunch of computers around then. It was really expensive, I think, as well, which was kind of interesting. Um, Because a lot of the movie comes, like, revolves around how he's, like, broke as hell. Um, And, uh, (laughs) and just sort of trying to, like, 
keep afloat while he finishes this musical in the hopes that he gets signed immediately for the musical, which doesn't happen, but it was very interesting. And then, like, this is, like, right towards the end of the, like, or, like, towards the, like, peak of the AIDS crisis as well. Like, um, so, like, HIV and AIDS are, like, a big part. They're not, not, um, he doesn't personally suffer from them, but, like, his friends do throughout the movie. Um, which, I mean, like, this is, like, I mean, we don't, I don't think we, you, you don't hear about HIV or AIDS as much anymore. Um, and that's, I think it's mostly because, um, from what I've read, they have, like, pretty decent solutions for people who end up with that, um, particular ailment, like, they can, they can be medicated and live quite longer than they used to be able to, like, I think, one, like, one of the most emotional points in the show, he finds out that his best friend and, like, roommate for, like, so long has, like, he's HIV positive, and, like, his friend, like, is, like, I have, like, a year, and it's just, it's just wild, you mm. know, um, a huge theme in this movie is this whole idea of running out of time. Yeah. And we have Andrew Garfield as John Larson, who is saying, I have to get this out before I turn 30. Like, I'm going to turn 30. If I don't, I'm a failure. Like, Sondheim had his out at 27, and, and all of these other great people did these great things in their 20s, and I'm just running out of time. And that theme is what makes Michael's revelation of the fact that he's HIV positive and he only has a year to live so much more heartbreaking is he's like you think you're running out of time and little did he know john larson actually was running out of time um however you know michael's saying i have a ticking clock like you you feel like you're running out of time i have a deadline yeah and so it was just this whole idea of like it really john has to face the fact that he can't just put all of his relationships aside until all of this is over. Like, he... The people around him are also running on a clock. You know, no one gets... None of us know how much time we have. No one gets anything special out of this. Like, they're all running on a clock. It's not just about him. Um, and that is a huge theme in this movie, is John's inability to focus on the people around him. Yeah. Um. Even just, like, Michael cares for him so much. One of the beautiful things about this movie is this just true, loving friendship between a gay man and a straight man. It was so well done, and I feel like you don't see that in movies about this time period, or, or even in movies as much as I think you should. Um, and he, they just have this beautiful friendship, and John's living in poverty he has i mean it's new york city so yeah he's living in basically poverty essentially you know yeah <laughs> starving artist style right on purpose and his friend is saying i can get you out of the gutter i can get you out of this apartment i used to live in with you where the shower's in the kitchen there's even the song that says that mm -hmm. um the bohemia song yeah he's saying i can get you into a better life like you my advertising agency I work for is hiring. You can come work for them. And John just sees that as the ultimate failure, the ultimate sellout. So Michael's able to move into a building with a doorman and have plenty of money, and he's comfortable and he's happy, and John just views him as a total sellout. Yeah. He can't think of anything besides himself and his own expectations and dreams, and he can't even fathom that Michael, who came to New York to be an actor would be okay 
with going on a different path. But Michael is perfectly content to just make some money and live in a place that's clean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh... There were moments in the movie where I was frustrated with, uh, with, you know, Jonathan Larson's, like, reluctance to do, like, any of the, like, ad agency stuff. Because, like, Michael's like, you could write jingles. You'd be a great jingle writer. You're, like, you write jingles for things all the time. Imagine getting paid for that. And, uh, and I just, I was just thinking, like, I don't, maybe I, I'm not really familiar with the whole process of writing an entire musical. I assume it takes up a, a quite a lot of time. But if he's already been working on this thing for, like, eight years, right... And, like, it seems like he, like, finished working on it probably during workshops in, like, maybe schooling? I'm not entirely sure if it was his college that he, like, started working on it in. It seems like it might have been. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, but it's still, like, <laughs> like, I, I, I was, I'm at a place in my life where I'm, like, I want to have a job and get a paycheck so that I can, like, enjoy the things I want to enjoy and then just, like, you know have my like, have free time and not worry about money and not worry about a bunch of other stuff and he's in this he's like only about four years he's only four years older than me in this show and uh and he's at this like place where he's like i would rather be like you know suffering almost all the time for the art i just i mean i mean i'm not that artistic as a person so i don't really get that but like so I was, I was like frustrated. I was like, no, no, take the ad exec job and then do the playwright thing on the side. And then you, when you hit it as a playwright, you can have all the money, but you'll have a stable income and you won't be living in filth. <laughs> like, I could tell that bothered you. Oh. <laughs> I feel like you're, yeah, you're just more of a Michael in that scenario. You know, you're perfectly happy to. I'd be like, oh, well, this isn't really working out, but this place is paying me almost $100,000 a year, <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> Another relationship that John kind of sets aside, of course, is his relationship with Susan, his girlfriend, who in that song that we referenced before, the, the Bohemia song, the whole song is about John saying, you know, this is the life I am, you know, living in filth and I yep. don't have any money, but this is what I came here to do. So this is what I'm doing. And he has this great line. And I even saw an interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who directs this, by the way, I should have mm. mentioned that. Um, and Andrew Garfield, where they pick apart that whole scene. And there's this line in the song where John says, I thought by now I'd have a dog, a kid and a wife. And he looks at Susan and he like gets kind of embarrassed to like admit that to her. And the acting there is just, great and you can see there's like some tension there from her she kind of takes that and is like okay what are we doing here and so she applies for a job and wants his feedback and he keeps telling her like we'll talk about it later and later and pushing it back and eventually he pushes her away because of that yeah everybody has their own deadline in this movie and hers is that she needs to decide if she wants to go work in upstate new york as a dance teacher making a decent amount of money especially and like you know for upstate new york you need to you need to make less money than you need to make when you yeah. live in new york city even if the cost of living is not terrible it's also the 90s so like you know way different uh inflation back then um but yeah i mean you just see like she wants to go like start living she's at the place that i am where she's like yeah like you know this whole crazy like pie in the sky stuff isn't working out i want a job i want to be able to like just live <laughs> You know, and he paid. But at the end of the day, all she wants is for him to ask her to stay. Yes. If that's what he really wants is to stay, she just wants him to tell her. And he cannot look past himself enough to even 
suggest, like, maybe you could stay here with me. Like, he's just like, okay, well, either I'm going with her or I'm not. Like, he never factors her into the, like, oh, maybe she would stay part of the equation, which is... Which is pretty sad. Um, The actress who played her, who I believe is called Alexandra Ship, is an amazing singer. I was really impressed with her, and I wish she had more songs in this movie. Yeah, she like sings half. She's like doing half a song, and the other half is Vanessa Hudgens. And you're like, Vanessa Hudgens is great, Mm -hmm. but like, how do they not just have this girl sing the whole thing? However, she's half singing with Vanessa Hudgens because the movie is like. It, it occasionally dips into the actual Tick, Tick, Boom screenplay, or what I can only assume is the Tick, Tick, Boom, like... Yes. Like, yeah. uh, rock monologue. Um, which makes me think that Lin-Manuel Miranda just wanted to have a bunch of... Uh, he wanted to... Have, as well as tell this story via film, he wanted to have a bunch of good good singing actors perform the rock monologue for, for a, an audience, basically. And that's what it feels like. And I, I wonder if they actually did do the whole rock monologue and then as as well as film the entire show and then just cut in what seemed good. I bet like if they had done that, that would probably be really interesting on the cutting room floor. Sorry, I'm being a little loud. Really interesting on the cutting room floor of like the editors then deciding what they want to flip back and forth between and probably Lemon Wells probably, you know, I would assume that he's directing at that moment as well. Like we need to see That's usually what the director stage does. play here and then movie here. But I would be very interesting to like see what parts they wanted to cover over. And I would I can imagine that it might be a little easier to film like the the on stage portion of that first and then go, All right, what works what would work really well if we had it in film and in like, as the actual, like, directed movie. Yeah, we should... I wonder if we could find that anywhere. That would be really interesting to know. This movie has so many cool Easter eggs, too. So, like I said, this has basically, like, taken over my entire life. And I've, like, watched so many interviews and just read so many things. And um, John Larson's sister, Julie Larson, is in the audience of the performance of the monologue in the film and there's a moment where they just pan to her which is just such a beautiful moment um one of the neighbors in the bohemia song we keep referencing that takes place in the apartment is actually um someone who worked with john larson to produce i believe the original tick tick boom and then all of these side characters that are his friends at the apartment you know, party, they're all based off of real people that he actually knew, set designers and camera people. And and Lin-Manuel Miranda can tell you the name of like, oh, this is this actress and they're portraying this friend of of John Larson's. And I was just really impressed by that. All the, the detail put into it, and Peter and I have talked about this at length, but I think it's just a Lin-Manuel Miranda thing. Like, he just does not work on anything he's not super, super excited about. And it shows in every little detail of these movies that he works on that he is really passionate about what he's putting out there. And I feel like that is evident in Tick, Tick, Boom. I never would have picked him and Andrew Garfield to work together, but it has become this, like, magical thing. I don't, ugh, I could just gush about it forever. Um, I think back to the whole idea of the AIDS crisis, that is another big theme of this movie 
and we see John working in the, I believe it's called the Moon Dance Diner. He works there for like seven or eight years um, before rent kicks off, I, I believe. And he has co-workers there in the movie, one of whom has HIV and is in the hospital. And they kind of give you that setup early. And I think that's another thing that kind of sets you up for when Michael says he's HIV positive. You now have seen a friend of John's in the hospital, what this looks like. And now it's going to be Michael. It's just this super emotional moment. Um, we both shed a tear. Yeah. There. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was it was very sad. Um, you know, particularly because, like, Michael's such a strong character before that. And, like, they're like brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. You really get that established. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that's just, like, it kind of hits you, you know, like, oh, shit, his, like, best friend is dying, basically. Yeah. yeah, and it's emotional at the end, too. You know, they do the... They have um, Alex, who plays um, Susan, do the little overture at the end, saying, you know, John Larson passed away at the age of 35 before Brent was ever put on stage. I believe he has won, like, posthumous Tony Awards, all these things, and all of his dreams come true and he's not around to see them and you kind of learn that his whole like frantic running out of time thing might not have been so so wrong after all yeah um, the clock you hear is ticking yeah wow that's deep <laughs> yeah he would have passed away i don't know exactly when but probably like it was 96 96 so mm-hmm. like i would have just been born <laughs> yeah, at crazy. that moment and um yeah that's pretty wild and one of the things in an interview i saw is that you know lin-manuel miranda saw rent on broadway at age 17 and it just like struck a chord with him and it's just so crazy that that has now become this this wonderful movie that it's just oh it's just everything i already want to watch it again I know we won't, but I want yeah. to. Maybe I will when you're we in class. We don't have time. <laughs> We're running out of time. Yeah. The clock is ticking. It makes me think of that line from Hamilton. I don't know if you remember it, but they're always like, why do you write like you're running out of time? Every time I think oh, of TikTok, yeah. I kind yeah. of make that. I think it's just because I have Linda manuel Miranda on the brain. But <laughs> yeah, so that's Tick, Tick, Boom. I rated Outstanding. Peter rated it memorable. Yeah. We both shed some tears. I hope Andrew Garfield wins Best Actor, but he's up against some pretty solid some performances. Solid actors, so, so yeah. we'll have to see. All right, let's take a media break. I finished both of the books that I mentioned last week. So I finished *Serpent and Dove* by Shelby Mahern, which is a YA fantasy about a witch and a witch hunter who are kind of forced into an arranged marriage, and it's about the church burning witches, and you know there are different kinds of witches and. It's all that, all that YA fantasy, high-paced, kind of a little bit trashy. It was so good. I loved it. I rated it five stars. It's been a while since I've read something like that, and I'm super excited to read the sequel. I actually have it on hold at the library. I'm going to go pick it up this weekend. I also finished Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami. I listened to this one on audiobook. It was so good. Um, and I really want to read more Murakami. However, this is the only one of his that is 
not like speculative magical realism. So I'm a little bit nervous to read the other ones. I know one of his most um, well-known ones is Kafka on the Shore, which is just the title, but like, I don't like Kafka and that makes me not want to read it. So I like maybe need to get over that. I don't know. Um, and then as far as TV, I've been on a real Housewives of Atlanta kick. I'm on season five. Um, I always just go in ebbs and flows with this show. I'll like watch it nonstop for a week and then not pick it up for a month. Um, but we're, we're on an upswing right now. I've been watching quite a bit of it. Um, and Peter and I are watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine together, but we haven't watched very much of it. We've been a little slow with that. And I have been playing Animal Crossing. You will never hear me say I was playing anything that wasn't Animal Crossing. That's the only thing I play. Your turn. Um, I haven't really been reading very much. Um, aside from schoolwork, I've really been trying to, like, I, like, fell out of reading, like, a little bit during, like, right right after The Expanse. I still have a couple of Expanse books to go, and I've still got, um, and I have a book out from the library right now, which is a, one of the Laundry Files, um, most recent ones, uh. I don't remember the name of it. It's the one after Dead Lies Dreaming. No, it's not. I don't know. It's the second one in, in the series of um, of the books that he's done that aren't the actual, like, chronological laundry files. There's, like, a little... Uh, this, like, small series he's doing in the laundry files universe. Um, so... Reading's kind of out for me. Uh, I haven't really been watching anything. I watched, like... Uh, several seasons of Big Mouth. I think I'm on <laughs> season five of Big Mouth. Apparently, last week I said I wasn't going to be watching any more of Big Mouth. Um, but, yeah, but here we are. I I was I threw something on my other screen when I was playing Cyberpunk, and I just kind of like blew through a couple seasons of it. And I'll occasionally like focus on it and pay attention and watch it. Um, it's not bad for uh, it's not bad for for like side audio because it's John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, and. Uh, and Jason Manzukis, of whom I love all of them. So, like, it's, they're, they're really easy to listen to, even though I'm not, like, super paying attention most of the time. Um, I do think that the the show is kind of it's kind of gross. It's not something I would really recommend anyone else watch. But it's not, like, you know, it's not absolutely awful. Like, I, I'm, I, I do laugh occasionally if I'm, like, paying attention to what they're talking about. Um... Other than that, yeah, I have been playing Cyberpunk 2027, or 2077. Um, I'm almost finished with it. Well, I haven't gone very far in the story, but I did all of the side content, so I'm running out of stuff to do without doing the main story missions. In fact, I think I did all of the side stuff to do without doing main story missions, so I'm going to have to do main story missions the next time I play. Um, I've been playing, still been playing D&D with my friends. We didn't get to play last week, and actually, oh yeah, the one thing I did watch last week um, was a movie outside of our challenge called R.I.P.D. It's absolutely atrocious. It's Ryan Reynolds and it's um, Jeff Bridges. And Jeff Bridges must not have gotten paid enough to actually show up to be there because he's there the whole time, but he's like just like making a joke of the entire performance. It's hilarious, um, but not in a way that it was intended to be hilarious. He's just Riker Goofer. Goofy voices because he's supposed to be a cowboy from the 1860s, and it's it's and it's ridiculous, but it's uh it was very entertaining, and I watched it with my buddies, and we were all making fun of it. 
So that was that made it like infinitely better. Um, if I had watched this seriously as part of this challenge, it would have probably hit hit like awful. But with my friends, it was a bad but good, you know. <laughs> um, just entertaining. Uh, but yeah. So, other you, than that, so you think the ratings change depending on who you watch it with? Probably. I mean, we we might have enjoyed it, but also we might have just hated it. You know, so it our system is terrible. not flawless. That's what you're no, saying. no system is flawless. Oh, it's all objective. Dang it. Okay. Well, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, or subjective, I guess. Tell them about Free Guy. <laughs> Free Guy. Well, I had just watched a Ryan Reynolds movie, and I felt like I wanted to watch another Ryan Reynolds movie, so we watched Free Guy. Actually, that's not true. I gave Autumn the option between. Free Guy, the James Gunn Suicide mo- Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> suicide movie? Jesus Christ, Yikes. that would be terrible. The t- James Gunn Suicide Squad, the new one. And what was the other one? That I the King's Man. Oh, The King's Man, which I've also heard is terrible. So maybe that's something that, unless you really want to watch that one, I might end up making fun of that with my friends too. Um, we are I have just, heard that it's quite bad. <laughs> we're so behind on, on so many movies, like, just uh-huh. regular movies we want to watch. Because yeah. we've been doing this Oscars Best Picture project. Yeah, which, I mean, is looking up, but for a while looked like it was a horrible mistake of an idea. <laughs> it was my idea! <laughs> I know, but we got, like, two movies and we were like, this isn't very good. <laughs> well, you, you can't. You can't lie that you had doubts about this because of how bad some of the I'm movies I'm allowed were. to say it's a bad idea if it was my idea. <laughs> you, as my spouse, have to say it was a good idea by default. It's okay. It's okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we watched Free Guy, which actually I thought was really good. Um, <laughs> there, was some, there was some really funny background shit going on in that movie. That if you don't play video games, you didn't get it all. You should tell them what the movie's about. Oh, yeah. So, the movie is Free Guy. Um, it's basically like... Uh, how do I explain this? It's like if Grand Theft... It's like Grand Theft Auto multiplayer, but if it was actually like a game game and not a way to like, you know, pretend you're a real cop or whatever, because... GTA multiplayer is weird, but like, so it's, you, you, there's this video game, this is a big free city is what it's called, and you can like, you know, go through gunfights and do all kinds of stuff, and you get all kinds of goofy power-ups and guns and stuff and all that crazy shit, um, and basically, uh, you, the, the movie revolves around Ryan Reynolds' character, who is named Guy, um, <laughs> uh, and he is an NPC, and because the game dev of Free City stole all this AI code from this other indie developer that he sort of bought out, um, and he said he didn't use any of their codes, so we didn't have to pay them royalties, um, but he uses all this code, Guy is able to learn, and there are a couple things that trigger in Guy's code that he, he sees this one female character um, who is based off a real-life character, and he sees that, and he kind of wakes up and becomes, like, sentient, basically. Which is very interesting, um, because uh, he ends up, he starts to interact with other people. He interacts with some of the other NPCs and triggers their own sentience, in a way. Um, and he, he finds out that he, he grabs a pair of sunglasses, which are very important, because there's the sunglasses people, and there is the, um, and there's the, 
the non-sunglasses people in his in his eyes, which is the NPCs or the non-player characters, and then there's the player characters, which all wear sunglasses, which is their their heads-up display, their HUD, as they say in the in the action movie. It says their HUD is gone when they take it sunglasses yeah, off. No one, one guys. listening to this podcast can see that you just took your glasses off for effect. Well, I took my glasses off for effect. <laughs> anyway, so he takes glasses from somebody, puts them on, he's like, oh my god, because he has, he suddenly sees it as a game, um, and he begins to interact with other players and do his own thing, um, and and it, it, it's just really cool, because like they, there's a lot of homages to video games that aren't terrible, and so like Ready Player One was this whole nightmare of a movie where there's too many references jammed into one movie and it's actually almost too much um and the movie suffered from the fact that you really couldn't make a good adaptation of that book it just wasn't wouldn't be physically possible but either way this movie has some really fun uh references to like video games um some classic ones some you know more modern ones um and and like and just, like, video game, like, how you play games. So at one point, they're having this conversation, and I notice there's a guy in the background who's sprinting into a wall, and he starts to jump into the wall, and then at some point, he, like, glitches into the side of the wall, which is, I was just like, that is just such a perfect little, like, happening in the background occurrence. Yeah. Um, at another point, I pointed out to Autumn, um, they're just, like, walking in a scorpion tank from Halo drives by, and I was like, hey, shit, that's... That's, that's from Halo. I was like, that's a scorpion tank from Halo. And you were like, okay. <laughs> like, and it was, but I just thought it was cool because I was like, that's that's actually like a cool reference to something. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was really neat. And so there's this this, this concurrent storyline going on with, with, with Guy and his friend Buddy. Um, and Guy and Buddy are both in the game and Guy's trying to get Buddy to want to put on the glasses and Buddy's just, he just can't. He hasn't made his character awakening yet. His AI isn't developed. He doesn't know what to do. And you also, he Guy is trying to get with Molotov Girl. Molotov Girl? Yep, Molotov, that's right. Okay. Molotov Girl, which is the screen name of Millie, who is one of the real world characters in this movie, because this movie also has real world, real world characters. Um, and, you'll, and you see throughout the movie, um, Millie and Keys, the guy from the indie dev studio that all the code is from, um, that now works for this big, shitty... Um, you know, Megacorp gaming company. Um, and their their interactions and how Keys has a thing for Millie, but she kind of like shuts him down. And that's kind of played through the whole movie. And the, towards the end, she figures out that all of Guy's programming is basically a love letter to her from Keys because, you know, he views his coding as his like way to like, as, as his authorship to write, you mm -hmm. know, um, to write and like be creative um and it's that's very cool very heartfelt bunch of really cool references fun action sequences great cameo by chris evans yeah great right chris evans cameo because it is a disney movie <laughs> and so of course right towards the end guys pulling out all his tools to fight dude who's this like big burly ryan reynolds version that they they created as like to fight him um, and he like pulls out, he pulls out Captain America's shield and like blocks it. And they play some of the Avengers stinger. And then Chris Evans is like, what the hell? <laughs> and then, uh, and then you see, you see, he pulls out a lightsaber at one point and they play a little bit of the Star Wars stinger. And everyone's like, is that a, that's a lightsaber? Is that a lightsaber? <laughs> um, 
I just thought that was cool because that's like something Disney can do now to just like flex both of those IPs. Um, but that was really interesting, and it was just, I don't know, it was just really well done. It was. It was great. We both um, marked it as memorable, which going into it, I didn't think I was, I really thought this was going to be like a solidly entertaining um, movie for me, but the cast is great. Um, one of my favorite actors is Utkarsh Ambudkar, which I, the Mindy Project is my favorite show of all time. And he plays Mindy's brother on that show. And then he's also in Pitch Perfect. And he's also um, the teacher in Never Have I Ever. And I just, I always get really excited when I see him and stuff. And he played, I believe his character was called Mouser. Mouser. Yeah, yeah in this one. And he is kind of like co-workers and friends with Keys. Um, so I really loved his character. However, the best character, by far, no argument, is Buddy the security guard. And I think one of the best moments in this movie is when Ryan Ryan Reynolds' character Guy and Buddy are running. They're trying to get back to find this place that Keys and Millie had coded. And and Buddy, you know, he's like, you just gotta go on without me. And he, his, you know, pixelates, disappears, and then it cuts to the real world where a bunch of security guards are watching it on their phones. They're like, that security guard is a hero. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're like watching that fawning over him. And that's how Millie is able to like sneak into the building. And those are the security guards for the building. That's yeah. the bad guy like building, <laughs> which was great. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. I love that part. I loved Buddy. Um, he and he and Guy were just such. Uh, this episode is just full of great male friendships. Yeah, you know, like Buddy and Guy just walk to work every day. They drink their medium coffee with two creams, I think, and <laughs> and something else, sugar and yeah. <laughs> cream, two sugars. I forget what it is. And they walk to work, and and Ryan Reynolds' character is the bank teller, and. Buddy's the security guard, and then people come in to shoot them, and they just duck below the desk, and they just keep talking, because it's an everyday occurrence for them. Basically, their whole job is to yeah. just be there for people to rob the bank. One of the robbings I found particularly funny. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I'm not sure which one you're talking about. There was this... It's when he first... Mm. Or maybe it's when okay. he gets the glasses for Buddy. He, like, tries to give the glasses to Buddy, maybe? So the one where he gets the glasses for Buddy, he like he's already leveled up a bunch, and he like uh -huh. takes a dude's shotgun and like points it at him, takes his glasses. Oh, okay. The first when one when he gets his own glasses. Yeah, that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Where he he uh, <laughs> he's like he like he's like no, and he like starts to fight back, and it's this like twelve year old girl playing with her friend. Yeah, I love the friend, way they just waste him. Yeah, <laughs> like kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they show who's on the other side. Yeah. So, like, you get what Guy's seeing. He's, like, going up against this, like, huge, hulking yeah, man. Guy. Yeah, And it's two little girls on the other screen playing the game, which was really, really fun. Um, I really like the way that having the glasses is what helps them mm -hmm. see the game. And I feel like they did a great job with that visually. Because yeah. you do get to see the world through Guy's eyes. And then when he puts on the glasses, you can see it's, like, the same with all the added stuff. Yeah. Like, one of the first things he sees is, like, a floating um, first aid kit. And he had recently, like, gotten a very nasty-looking yeah. broken nose. And he's able to, like, grab the first aid kit now that he can see it. And, like, it fixes them all up and stuff. It's like a scene right out of They Live where he puts the glasses on and all of a sudden he sees everything that's not there. Yeah. That's <laughs> not there for him normally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the... Uh, 
one of the other things I wanted to note before we like wrap that one up was be, was that there is there are points where because guy is like trending like blue shirt guy he's you know everyone likes blue shirt guy he's crazy he's he's being a good guy and, and like get, getting ahead in the game you know uh and so so but but in order to do that they have like streamers talking about him i didn't recognize all of them there's like two people that i didn't recognize but jacksepticeye guys in it who's like huge youtuber right and then Pokimane, who's like a real big streamer, is also in it, which is very interesting. I was like, oh shit, like these guys are in this movie too? That's crazy. You know, it's it is really it's really fun to just like be like, oh damn, they they actually got Jack Septic guy to be in the movie. That, that's that's wild. It's kinda like the uh, the episodes of South Park where PewDiePie's in them and you're like, What? <laughs> Why is he here? Although I think Jack Septic guy was a really good pick because he's a like a super good like super good dude and a great youtuber in that one and he's like also one of those people that's like super popular has like 20 million followers you know so that might actually probably was a draw for some people to watch the movie yeah was that i'm sure he like you know did a little bit of advertisement for it on his own channel and stuff like that so it was really smart of them to get those people in because they have a lot of followers yeah this was a great movie this is a great like watch it with your family kind of movie i think like and not in a not in the, like, cheesy, typical family movie kind of way, but in the, like, everyone in your family can genuinely enjoy this movie. Like, it has something for everyone. Like, Peter knows who all of these streamers are. Peter has a lot of video game knowledge, and he really enjoyed it. I don't, and I still really enjoyed it. Um, it's funny and heartwarming, and uh, it was just, like, really fun. I think that's the best way to describe this one. It's just, like, a genuine good time. I was invested the whole way through. Yeah. Um, the world they have created is just, like, so fun. Because it's kind of a making fun of video games a little bit. Because the whole idea is basically you just, like, can do whatever you want, you know. So everyone's behaving badly. Um, and then Guy decides to earn points by being a good guy and stuff. But, yeah. It's just really fun. That was a great one to end the week on. Yeah, it was good. We are taking another week-long break from Oscars this coming week because we're going to the theater on Wednesday, and then I think we made plans to watch something else on Saturday that I'm forgetting about. Um, but after that, we'll be back into two weeks to finish up our last four Oscars movies for this horrible mm. idea of a project that I had that my husband hates. We were watching Being the Ricardos, I think, is the one we're going to watch. So you're not denying that you hate my ideas. No, I don't say that I hate the idea. It's just that for a little while, it was like, why these movies suck? Like, I, I really hope the rest of these are, are good. And we, we got lucky. We saw a couple that were actually pretty solid. So, And uh, looking at the list of what we still got, um, I don't see any that look inherently bad. So we'll just see if, they're, uh, we'll see if they all live up to the hype. Um, particularly, I'm particularly excited for Drive My Car, but that's the last one we were going to watch, so. Yeah. yeah. We'll report back next week. 